discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to Jesus Christ. I believe that tonight is a night of destiny change. Our lives will never be the same again. Lift your hands to Jesus. Just bless him. Open up your spirit. Our hands are lifted to you. He is exalted. He is lifted. Father, we give you praise. We honor you for your blessing. Thank you for your presence in this room. Thank you for the glory that is here. I declare by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, take us to deeper depth, even in the word, even in the spirit. Your name is exalted. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. Take your seats. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. amen. Oh, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know that tonight is going to be a night that is different in your life. Jesus. And God is determined. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, God is determined. God is determined. Amen. amen. Oh, amen. amen. All right. So today, I want to share something very brief with you. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we pray, and then uh, we open up the spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, can we read up, turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter three? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter three. The verse number 16. Matthew 3, 16. Can we all read together? One to go. Can we read again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And lighten upon him. Say lighten upon him. Lighten upon him. Say lighten upon him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, this scripture is a very important scripture. I want to preach on the resting place. Say the resting place. The resting place. 
Say the resting place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say the resting place. Alright. Now in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus was talking about evil spirits. And made a, a very important statement and said that when a spirit leaves a man, he goes out into dry places. But returns unto that person who the demon had been cast out to see if the place be clean and swept. Then when he finds out that his place is empty, he goes for seven stronger spirits and comes to possess the person. So the person's state is worse than he once was in Matthew chapter 12. Now, when Jesus was communicating these truths, it was in a very important allusion. The Bible says in John chapter 4, God is spirit. Say, God is spirit. God is spirit. God is spirit. spirit. Alright. Now, God is spirit. Yet, in the book of Genesis, God wanted to have a resting place. God wanted to have a resting place. So, when God created the trees, the fishes, the birds, all the beasts. Bible says, God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. And let us have, dom- let him have dominion over the, you know, all the things, the, the fishes of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the creeping beasts of the field. That Bible said that when God had finished creating man in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, 29, the Next statement that was made was, and that was the sixth day. There was evening and there was morning. But Genesis 2 verse 3 said, can we go there? Genesis 2 verse 3. Genesis 2 verse 3. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at what he said. And the Lord blessed the seventh day and sanctified NIV says, and called it holy. Because it, that in it he had rested from all his work. Which God created and made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say God. God. Sanctified the day. Sanctified the day. Now. Remember that. The last thing God created on the sixth day. Was man. And when he finished creating man. On the same day. He created animals. The beast of the field. Verse 25. And on the same day. He created man. So on the sixth day, animals and man were created. Amen? Amen. Oh, are you here? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to verse 23 so that we can see it from the Bible. Genesis 1, 23. And there was evening and morning, and there were the fifth day. 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures, cattle. So the animals and man were created on the same day. Now, if you stretch the revelation a little bit, that's why... God didn't bring the fish to Adam. God didn't bring the birds to Adam. God brought the animals that were created on the day he was created to see if you find a wife in it. Because they all created... I, I don't know if you're getting it. They were all created on the same day. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So when God finished the animals, then God had a meeting and created man. Then as soon as he finished making man, the Bible says there was the evening and morning, the sixth day. Then chapter 2 says, on the seventh day, God rested. It means the last thing God created on the sixth day was man. 
Evening, morning, man is already there. So by morning, the next day I started was rest. That means that God created man for rest, not for work. Because if God created man for work, Adam should have been created when light came. Then God should have said, let there be light, and there was light. And the Lord created Adam, and Adam together with God were created. That is work. (laughs) But he actually created Adam for rest. In fact, God created Adam as his resting place. Wave your hands to Jesus. Look, if you get this truth, <laughs> it, will, it will inform why you pray. It will inform why you fast. It will inform why you sit in church. It will inform a whole lot of things for your existence. Yes, 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 yes. I'm telling you. Yesterday I was telling the Alpha Church that our environment is God. You see, when you read Genesis well, you realize that all the habitats that the creature stayed in was the habitat that created the creatures. He said, let the air bring forth birds. Let the water bring forth fish. Let the earth bring forth beasts. But when he came to man, he said, let the Godhead bring forth man. That means that if the fish needs water to live, the man needs God to live. So if you don't have God, there's a problem. Anything you are going through is not the real life. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. God didn't design your life to be afraid. No, 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 no. He designed you to be bold. In fact, when I finish teaching on the resting place, you come to a place where you understand something so important that you can enter a shrine and take an idol and nothing, nothing will be capable of scaring you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So when God created Adam now, Adam now was created for rest. Adam was what? Created for rest. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 quickly. Genesis 2 verse 15. Let's read together. One to go. Now notice what happened. But let's go to Genesis chapter 3. The verse number 16. Verse 17. Go to 17. Uh-huh. Let's read together. One to go. And because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Next. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the hair of the field. Verse 19. And in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. When God, when man fell short of the glory of God, strangely enough, strangely enough, nothing about work is described here. Let's go back to 17. 
Please let, show me where God said man will work. Can we read together? Cast thee the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat, not thou shalt work. Follow me well. <laughs> yes? Next verse 18. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So the verb is eating, not working. 19. In the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat. But he didn't say thou shalt work. Oh, wave your hands to Jesus Christ. That means that all the work we are doing is not actually the blessed work. <laughs> it's not the blessed work. <laughs> Why? 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 Genesis 2.15 For man to work, the Lord must put him in the work. Adam could not find work. God put him in the work. Look, if, if you don't understand resting, you'll be chasing for jobs. You'll be chasing for marriages. But the condition to work is the Lord took you and put you there. Is the reason why a lot of people are struggling in school, struggling in marriage, struggling in countries because the Lord did not take them and put them there. So the moment the Lord does not take you and put you there, as of whatever you are doing, God does not define it as work. So you see that the earth is producing tons, testers. You are sweating to eat. Hmm. <laughs> Hustling. Stressing. Yeah. If the Lord takes you and puts you in a relationship, you will not stress to keep it. Yeah. Every day you have to look for money. Every day you have to find something to make the person happy. Every morning is an, it's, it's a, it's an agenda. It's a, it's a journey to make sure that this person is happy. No, 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 no. no. The Lord, you, it, no, when I saw it, I understood the whole lot. The Lord took Adam. It means Adam didn't go and look for it. The Lord, even in ministry, that's how it is. Until God takes you and plants you somewhere, you're wasting your time. <laughs> so Paul said, We have received of this ministry. We didn't go and beg. We received. We received of the ministry. We received, it was given and we received it. So no man has what he... He said, there's nothing a man has that was not given. So what you can call yours is what has been given, not what you want to, you want to take. If you go and take what has not been given, it's not yours. It's theft. It must be given. Then it is yours. So 1,000 members, it must be given. <laughs> I tell you, it must be given. The anointing, it must be given. The Lord took Adam without consulting Adam and put him in the garden. Then he told him, Adam, dress it and keep it. The Hebrew for the word dress is the word abed or abed. Now that word abed hmm, means number one, to till the ground. To till the ground. Number two, it also means to war. To war. 
kalabasha. It's the same word that's also diminutive of perish. In Psalm 2 verse 12, he said, kiss the son. Lest they be angry with you and thou perish in the way. The word perish there is the word abad or abed. <laughs> Exodus 3 12. Let my people go that they may serve me. The word serve me is the word abed. Shall serve me. So the word serve, shall serve is the word abed. So let Adam dress the God. The word dress is serve, is war, is work. But it also means worship. That means that anytime God lifts you and places you in a place and you begin to operate, operate by the principle of rest, your rest is worship. Your stress is perishing. It's the same word though. But you'll be surprised. The same word is also used for serving the Philistines. And Israel served foreign gods. It's the same word, Aved. So in the Hebrew, Israel dressed foreign gods. <laughs> and straight in the Bible, the worship that was gladsome. In fact, it was a worship that was a product of working with joy. Working with excitement. That's why when the curse came, the same tilling the ground was absent, there was the absence of joy in it. He said, in sorrow thou shalt. In other words, when God lifts you and puts you in the place he has determined to place you, there is always a ready anointing. Oh yes. Anytime you are struggling in a certain place, it's either you have not been placed there, or probably that's not your position in the spirit. Because there's no ready anointing. Yeah. Now, as a prophet, there's already anointing called extemporal preaching. You don't follow prophets to prepare. Yeah. If I'm a teacher, it's different from I'm a prophet. A prophet, I need to prepare my notes. I have to write my points down. I have to arrange everything well. But if I'm a teacher, sorry, if I'm a teacher, I can do that. But as a prophet, if I do that without the inspiration of the Lord, there will not be a ready anointing. So sometimes the prophet wants to stay on the track, but if you stay there too much, the anointing will leave. You need to move in a certain way. That's where the ready anointing is available. So the Lord took Adam. I want to bring your mind to something very important. The resting place. Because God designed you for rest, not for stress. If stress was your natural state, you'll be excited when you are stressed. <laughs> if poverty was your natural state, you'll be happy when you are poor. If pain was your natural position, you will always be excited when you are in pain. If failure was your natural calling, you'll be excited when you have an F. <laughs> that means that none of the things that make you depressed is actually God's plan. Hmm, hallelujah. Are we here together? So what then is he talking about then in the resting place? What then is he talking about in the resting place? Now, when God told Israel to come into the wilderness, we see a picture of how the rest should be. Adam was dressing the garden and keeping it. Keeping means he was maintaining the boundaries. He was the guardian. 
He was the guardian. He was maintaining. He was protecting what was supposed to be. Can I tell you something? <laughs> what Adam was covered with was what blocked the entrance when he fell short. Let me repeat myself. Adam's dress was what stood in between the garden and him when he fell short. The cherubs of glory and the flaming sword moving every side. That was Adam's dress. So Adam, where he was in rest, he had angelic escort and heavenly authority and the sword of vengeance and justice. That was about him. But when he fell short, God removed it like a dress and put it outside. Yes, that's why he himself said it, that he was naked. It means something was covering him, but he became naked. He removed it and went to take leaves and cover himself. And God now used animals to cover him. Why? We, what was covering Adam? What? I can't hear you. The what? So if the glory was carrying Adam, the two angels, what were they? They were angels of the glory. The cherubims of glory. Or let me not even go far. When Jesus came as the second Adam, Bible says the veil was torn, which is his body. And in the veil, in the veil, there was the embroidery of the cherubim glory on the veil. So the cherubim of glory was on the veil. And Bible says the veil is the flesh of Jesus Christ. According to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, he has perfected for us a new and a living way in his flesh, which is the veil. Yet the veil into the Holy of Holies, uh-huh, 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 go to 21. Even the, the veil which is into the Holy of Holies, good. The veil into the Holy of Holies actually had the cherubs of glory. Yeah, through the veil, which is his flesh. The cherubs of glory on the veil. They've embroidered it in the veil. And Bible says that veil is his flesh. So it means the flesh of Jesus had the cherubs of glory in it. Oh, no, go far. Don't go far. The mercy seat is who? And beside the mercy seat is what? When Jesus was erected and they entered the tomb, do you know that at the head of Jesus was what? One angel. At the feet of Jesus was what? One angel. And Jesus was lying on the middle. So just as the ark was, that's how the tomb was. The veil contained the cherubs of glory as a garment. Because God wears, Bible says he is clothed with the wings, which are the angels. So God's dress is also the wings, the angels. <laughs> Look, I want to show you something today. Huh? The resting place is your sure place of abundance. Yeah, a lot of you don't pray from rest, you pray from stress. Yeah, and you work from stress. Everything is stress. You are trying, you, are, you want to make things happen. The stress. In fact, that is the foundation of all sin. Yeah. When you don't learn to walk in rest, sin is inevitable. In fact, the reason why Israel went into captivity was because they did not keep the Sabbath. Go and read the scripture. He said, Israel, in Jeremiah, because Israel did not keep the Sabbath day and see it as holy, they were captured and taken into captivity. Why? When the scripture mentioned the Sabbath, according to Genesis chapter 2 verse 3, the Sabbath was actually the holy day. What you call holy day came from the word holy day. 
And the holy day was the day God designed for restful participation with Adam. Why would God call the day holy and not the man holy? Because the holy man becomes holy in the holy day. Let me repeat myself. He didn't call Adam holy. He called the day holy. The first thing God sanctified and called holy was a day, not a man. <laughs> because when you enter the Hebrew, God called the day holy. And the word holy, kadosh, is connected to the word kadushin. Kadushin. And actually, the word kadushin, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, is the Hebrew for marriage. What it meant was this. The Sabbath was the marriage, the wedding, it was the merging date of God and man. Let me repeat myself. That's why the day was holy. Because it was the day man and God refused. Can I put it this way? Oh. In Luke chapter 1, when Gabriel spoke to Mary, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord shall overshadow you, and you will be with child. He said, That child you have is a holy thing. The Holy Ghost in heaven is called the Spirit. Seven spirits of God. So that John 7 said that, This spake he of the Holy Spirit, who was not yet, because Christ was not yet glorified. But the Spirit has been. By saying, the Spirit is so, but the Holy Spirit is not yet. Can I go there? John 7, 37, 38. John 37, 38. Look at that. Aha, verse 39. And this spake he, the next verse. This spake he of what? Of the Spirit, which shall come unto them that shall what? Receive. Colon. For the Holy Ghost was not yet. That word given is inserted. The reason he was not yet was because the spirit was to come on them that believe. But when the spirit comes on them that believes, outside them that believes, upon them that believe is the spirit resting. But inside them that believe is the Holy Ghost. He becomes holy when he enters you. Outside you, his spirit. Inside you, his Holy Spirit. That's why when you enter heaven, there is no description of the Holy Spirit in heaven. I saw the Spirit. Let him that had an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Why? The Spirit is standing outside the church. When the Spirit enters the church, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. So when the Spirit enters them, he is Holy Spirit. Outside them, he is Spirit. <laughs> that means that on the day called Sabbath, on the day God rested, the rest of God was intended for the fusion of God and man. That's how we enter eternal Sabbath. Are you here? Are you sure you are here? Are you sure you are here? So when the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, he said, that thing you shall have is a holy thing. Holiness has been birthed. Can I tell somebody something? 
Oh, only God is holy. Only God is holy. But when he expresses his holiness, it is vessels like us. It's vessels like us. It's vessels like us. It's vessels like us. Hallelujah. So the day was intended for man to have holy communion, special communication with God on that day. That means that Sabbath or rest is only activated not by cessation from work, but by interaction with God. So you can sleep on Saturday, but you are not in rest. You can be an Adventist, but you are not celebrating Sabbath. You are outside Sabbath. <laughs> the resting place. The resting place. Are we here? Yeah. Are you sure you're here? Yeah. 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 What is the Sabbath then? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, the verse number 10, that anyone that has entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. 11. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. That means that the moment you fail to attain rest, unbelief will arrest you. And when unbelief arrests you, you are inevitably going to fall. That means that anybody who is not in rest is plagued with unbelief. And unbelief is the mother of all sins. Because whatever is not done in faith is sin. <laughs> How do I know that? Hebrews 12, the verse number 2. Seeing that we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, wherefore, let us lay aside. Uh huh. No, go to 12, sorry. Verse 1, verse 1. Uh huh. Verse 1. Great cloud of witnesses. He says that let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth easily beset us. Which doth easily beset us. Lay aside weight and sin. Can you do passion? Okay, message. Do you have a message? Okay, let's see message. What message said? Huh, 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 huh. Do you see that what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. <laughs> parasitic sins. Spiritual fat. So he calls the weight spiritual fat. And the sin parasitic sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Now, if you read it in context, Hebrew had two. Hebrew was talking about two main problems. Hebrews three nineteen says they could not enter into rest because of unbelief. Are we there? Huh. They could not enter. They could not enter because of unbelief. What that means is that the parasitic sin that everyone is plagued with is unbelief. It's so attached to us. If you don't know, you will not realize you are in unbelief. Some of the things you call use common sense is unbelief. But this one, you don't need God. It's unbelief. Yeah. 
And how can God put money in my money and no account and nobody will give me a miracle? It's unbelief. It's, it's unbelief. And I'll show you why a lot of us say we are struck. The resting place is your best place. God created you for rest. You will function best in rest. Your, the best of your life is in rest. Parasitic sins. Unbelief. Unbelief. How do I know that? How do I know that? Anyone who lies does not believe that God will defend him when he tells the truth. Yes. That's how you lie. Like you are afraid that if you say the truth, <laughs> what you will go through so you better lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people, they have come to a place where when they lie, they don't even recognize they've lied. Like they are so dead. Nothing pricks them. No, something's wrong with you. Like you lie then. You didn't even hear a voice. Hey, you are lying. You are past it. It's called parasitic sin. Yeah. Anyone who steals does not believe God can take care of them. That's why they are, they are hustling and tricking and duping people to get money. You don't believe. It's lack of faith that makes you do that. I can't tell you a lot of the sins because of lack of faith. No, you, if you walk in faith, you cannot sin. Because faith, scripture says, is the obedience of God. We have come to the obedience of faith. So if I'm in faith, I've obeyed God. Disobedience of unbelief. So unbelief is disobedience. So in context, when he spoke about Hebrews, unbelief and their parasitic sins was unbelief. Their, sorry, their, their parasitic sins was unbelief. Disobedience and unbelief was their sin. Because New Covenant said they could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. But in the book of Exodus and Numbers, they didn't enter because of disobedience. So Old Testament caused unbelief, disobedience. And New Testament disobedience is called unbelief. So anytime you are not in faith, you are disobeying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we here? Yeah. Are we here? Yeah. Now, the spiritual fact he's talking about is pride. Yeah. Do you know what pride is? Now, he said in the book of Peter and James, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you. In the book of 1 Peter. Humble yourself, 1 Peter chapter 5. I think the verse number seven. Under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you in due time. He will lift you. So it means that humility is subjecting yourself to God's hand. Now the picture is like how the hand of God came upon Elijah. And Elijah outran chariots. That means that Elijah didn't move till the hand came. Are we together? Yeah. Now, how do I know this? In 1st Kings chapter 17, when Elijah showed up, he said, according to my word, it shall not rain. The hand of God was upon him. So he used his mouth, based on the anointing he felt, to shut the heavens. But when he got to in chapter 18, when he had finished with the prophets of Baal and was praying, there was no hand on him. So he had to pray. Pray seven times of kinds of prayer. Praying till the heavens were open. When the heavens were now open, Bible said the hand of the Lord came upon him. Then he outran chariots. That means that Elijah didn't start running after prayer. He waited for hand to come on him. So the picture is that you are not doing anything until you feel God's hand on you before you move. That's, that's what he's trying to say. That means that humility is anybody who operates by waiting for God's wind. You don't take the lead. 
It is a sin that easily besets us. Many of us like to take the lead before God shows up. The hand has not come and we are already gone. Tarry ye in Jerusalem till the power comes. And you pray two hours and the power has not yet come. But you feel something small. So you are taking the lead. You want to minister the spirit. But the spirit has not yet come. Because you are saying, oh, but when he came after resurrection, he said, receive the spirit. So what he gave us, I'll use it. <laughs> but he said, tarry till. And it, that's why he says, there's a weight that easily besets us. Anything you are doing without God is pride. Mm. It's pride. Anything you can do without God is pride. Today, when you go, you have to pray, God, deliver me from that weight. It's called spiritual fat. Like some things you think without God, you plan without God, you don't consult God. You can do it because you've learned about it. It's pride. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In due season, you lift you up. And you know, there are some people, they are trying to lift themselves up. Branding. Social media, they want to put themselves out there. Yeah. Once you are doing without God, you see, you are doing God's work. He must lift you, but you are lifting yourself. So God will do your work. He will humble you. You understand? He said, I will humble you. Then he said, if you, if you humble, I will lift you. But you too want to lift. So God said, okay, then you have left me with the humbling. I will humble you. So there's some people they will scream, scream, scream. God has reduced the volume. Amen. Oh, don't go far. Check it. Many of the ministries who come all of a sudden, this, 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 they are in charge of this. They are the or this of the or Santahini of the Asantehini is two years, three years. God will cool the volume down. Nation, what God will quench you. You you are talking, you have TV station, but we can't hear of you. We can't hear you again. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. If you humble, God will lift. If you lift, God will humble. It's a, it's a matter of choice. What do you want? And what shocked me was that he says it is it is recurrent spiritual fact. Fact. It means it's, it's with us. It's there. It's there. But why is the resting place important? Paul now says in Hebrews chapter uh -huh, uh -huh, Hebrews chapter four, the verse number eleven, labor to enter. It means whatever you are stressing, your stress is to enter rest. So it means your prayer should so you enter rest. Your Bible study is so you enter rest. You're coming to church. Your spiritual activities is for one goal, to enter rest. Because the moment I enter rest, I have ceased from my own works. Because on that day, any work that is Adam's work will burn. It is the work that is God's work that will survive. So the chances of doing things in unbelief and pride means I've lost all things. Then I must labor. That's why I said labor. Labor to so anything that makes you stressed, anxious, disbelieving, it is something you have to labor against. So you enter rest. So you enter rest. Hallelujah. So the resting place is an important thing. The resting place is an important thing. And he said they couldn't enter because of unbelief. How do I mean? In Numbers 14, huh? There are some gentlemen. Let's go to Numbers 14, verse 1. God has sent Moses to tell Israel to go spy out the land. And when they went, they brought fruit from the land. They brought grape and fruit from the land 
Eshcol, even into Israel. But when they came, ten of the tribes said, we can't enter. The land is too big, it will swallow us up. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't. This is too much for us. And Bible says, as they were speaking, look at this one. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Next verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, What will God do that we come and die? We, he, he said, Would God that we had, it was better we had died in the land of Egypt? Or God wanted us to die in the wilderness? Verse 3. Wherefore the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return into Egypt? After everything God has done, they are insulting God. Verse 4. And they said one to another, let us make a new captain and let us return into Egypt. And the face of Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of Israel. Verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their... In other words, when Joshua and Caleb realized that Moses and Aaron face felt they, they knelt down and put their face on the floor because of the accusation of the nation. Joshua and Caleb, something happened to their spirit. So they tore their dress that what have we done? Go read the Bible. A destroying spirit entered town and killed all those who complained. Look, let me say this in passing as a prophet. Be careful how you make a father who has raised you in the Lord bow his head and say, Oh my God. Hey, hey, be careful. You see, they are fake men of God, though, and they are men of God who stand daily before God. Those people, <laughs> even when they say, Lord, forgive, God will show up and say, No. Do you know what he told, he told uh, Jeremiah? Jeremiah started praying, praying for Israel. He said, If Daniel. No, I think it was, uh, was it Daniel who was rather praying? Someone like that was praying. And God said, sorry, it was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was praying for Israel's salvation. And God said, leave me. Lift up a lamentation against them. Leave me. God said, if Samuel, the prophet, came from the dead, and Elijah comes from the dead to come and beg for them, I will not hear them. I will, I will. He said, that's, no, that's the place where the man of God is interceding for the nation. God said, I, God said, I breached the protocol. I won't hear you. I said I seek for a man to stand in the gap. But this time around, I overlook it. I will handle this matter. I will deal with Israel. That's why Joshua and Caleb were like, Hey, you don't know Moses. Hey, you don't know Aaron. And you are making them grieve. Ah, they thought the address that no. These people are in trouble. Moses even went to beg for his sister. In Numbers 12. After Miriam had come to rebuke him that you went to marry a black woman. Aaron held his leg and said, please, beg for us. And when he went to beg the Lord, he said, Lord, you can't do this. God said, hey, don't tell me what you're telling me. If she spoke to a biological father, will she not be in punishment for a week? God said she would suffer her leprosy. Even God didn't listen to Moses. He said, I didn't, you didn't pray for me to judge them. I chose to judge them. So whatever you say, I'm not going to hear you. I'm coming. That's all good. Look at that. What is this? And he came upon her. Look at the one that God, when, when Moses went to. He said, God said she must suffer 
for a week. So because of her, Israel could not move. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a governmental side of God. Though. To me, I've come to learn. God told me many times, say, look, you can have one chance, two chance. But when it comes to my government, forget it. Mm. <laughs> one day I think we'll share, we'll share, Doc preach a message in Takradi. Yes. One day I'll out, out, out. Yes. Yes. When it comes to God, then, if you relate to God as father and son, you will get 20% of your prayers answered. A lot of you think you can misbehave and anything God will answer. No. That's where you miss it and you are frustrated. Is he not our father? He's your father. <laughs> but if you are wrong, you are wrong. Yeah. That's why somebody who is a judge, yeah. the son was brought to court for violating a certain whatever. When they brought him to court, he asked the young man, please, what is your name? He said, I can't tell you my name. He, said, he started so he rather look at the father and said, Daddy, but you know my name. He said, I don't know you. He said, that, he said, I don't know you. Where I'm sitting, I'm a judge. I'm not your father. That means that there are some matters in the spirit. God does not relate to you as a father. He relates to you as a judge. If you don't know your right, you can do daddy, daddy. You won't get answer. You should know what to ask as a daughter or a child. And you should know what to ask as a son who knows his right. <laughs> Calabatosias. I shared in a minute, I shared in a church and I told them that when it comes to God, you better approach him as a lawyer who knows your right. Otherwise, you don't get many of your prayers answered. Oh, you need to. That God will do it because he's, you've read it. It's, no. What's the proof he should do it for you? Hallelujah. 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 Now, this resting place is a serious thing. It's a serious thing. And why am I saying it's a serious thing? Now, in the old covenant, according to Numbers chapter um, 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 Psalm ninety-five, verse ten, they could they enter the promised land. They failed to enter the promised land because they did not do things the way God did things. So they did not know God's way. So they, they, they couldn't enter what God had planned for them. What it meant was that people entered the promised land but did not eat the promise of the land. You see, it's one thing to enter the land; it's another thing to enjoy the, the what is in the land. So many Christians are in the promised land, but they are not enjoying the promise in the land. Because there's what to do. There is the promise in the land. The fact that you're in the promised land does not mean you enjoy the promise of the land. So, these people could not enter and enjoy fully because they were not doing things the ways of God. But beyond that, beyond that, when Jesus came, in Matthew chapter 3, what we read, Bible said the spirit of the Lord rent the heavens open and rested upon him, lighted upon him and remained. Now, Isaiah 64 verse 1 gave that scripture. He said, Oh, thou would rend the heavens. The word rend is to tear it like paper. God tear the heavens for us. But in God tearing the heavens, ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't tear it by removing it. He tears it like a paper. It cannot be glued back. Let me put it this way. That means that when Jesus entered the Jordan and the angel, the, the, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, the heavens was torn into two. And when the heavens was torn into two, the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus. And when it rested upon Jesus, 
Bible says it remained with him. It remained with him. It remained with him. Say it remained with him. Now I was showing something to Alpha yesterday, but I want to show it in a different light today. When the spirit came as a dove and lighted on Jesus. Now, as for doves, they are sensitive creatures. They don't like noise. A lot of things. They don't like a lot of things. What we usually see around is a different species. But the typical doves, they don't like noise. Very sensitive. They don't like a lot of noise. So they are not around. So where they are, when the dove lighted on Jesus. Now, Jesus now had to make sure that everything he was going to do was to make sure that the dove is comfortable. Let me give you an example. Imagine you go somewhere and you are standing under a tree. Then all of a sudden a snake falls on your neck. And some of them say, don't let him, don't move, don't move. If you move it to bite you. So how do you act? Every movement you are doing, you are stiff because wrong movement will make the thing bite you. But in the case of this one, the dove is resting upon Jesus. And any wrong motion of Jesus will make the dove fly. That means that for you as a believer to be in the resting place of God hear this God must find you as his resting place so the way you become you enter the resting place is to become the resting place (laughs) how do I mean look at this the dove rested on Jesus now, as long as the dove is here, if I walk wrongly, the dove will fly. Because that's not like it's sensitive. So the dove is resting here. So I have to now walk in such a way that the dove is comfortable to rest. So it means if I'm moving somewhere and the dove begins to flicker and become agitated, I have to turn in a way where the dove will be comfortable. So I slow down, go backwards. It's like a baby who is asleep. You walk in a certain way so the baby does not wake up. That means that the moment the baby falls asleep, because you don't want to wake the baby up, everything you are doing is to make sure that the baby stays asleep. That means that from that very moment you have the baby in your hand, your entire existence is in recognition and appreciation to what you hold. That means that the moment the dove rested on Jesus, anything Jesus will do for the dove to remain, now he does not do what he wants. He must do everything that makes the dove comfortable. So in doing that, he might go places he doesn't want to go. Because that is what will make the dove feel rested. It means that now he has ceased from his own works. And where he's now going, the dove wants to go. So that John 4 said, Jesus must need go through Samaria. That means the likelihood that the dove was resting spiritually. If he was going to a wrong city and the dove was uncomfortable, he has to turn towards Samaria and the dove was comfortable. In Luke chapter 9, he looked towards Jerusalem and the Samaritans were angry. Because when you look at the Samaritans, the dove was uncomfortable. That means that for you to become a person in the resting place, God must find his resting place with you. Because if I'm moving and God is at rest, then it means wherever I'm entering, I'll be in rest. I can of my own self do nothing. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.